Welcome back, my fellow procrastinators. Welcome to The Major Lift, where we will be discussing some delicious insights into the world of Dan Presland from Neobliviscaris, also known as Neo for short. There are some people online that I've seen struggling to pronounce the name, and Neo's fine. They'll deal with it. It takes time to say Neobliviscaris. These guys are actually killing it at the moment with their latest album, Earn. And as of this recording, Dan is just back in the country and recovered from jet lag and ready to chat with us. I've been wanting to get Dan on this show for a little while, and since it's the first season, he's decided to help me out with a pretty hefty chat about his life on the road and his life at home. Uh, Dan is a fantastic studio drummer as well, and uh, as far as I know, he's also teaching. So if you are a drummer and you want to learn about ridiculous foot speed and consistency then feel free to nerd all over this crazy man's insane dedication to his instrument it is something totally remarkable and perhaps even a bit concerning maybe we should be concerned about dan we're going to be bouncing around over a few different topics such as touring in europe tour workouts and some of the tips that he wants to share with everyone to maybe help them out on their first tour we're going to be talking about fasted cardio, which I thought was very, very interesting uh, and something that maybe I'm a, too much of a coward to do as I sit here in the morning and try not to think about breakfast. We also talk about scheduling a day to allow for multiple workouts and we talk about just general practice philosophy and workout discipline as we should and as we're meant to. So enough from me. Hopefully you're doing something useful with your day or, you know, also probably not you're probably just driving in, in which case just just be safe and check around for traffic please thanks enjoy dan president welcome to the major lift can i call you daniel or is that not on the cards uh well mum calls me daniel so if you want to join that club feel free <laughs> i i feel like i could be a really great sort of maternal figure in in the prog scene yeah okay yep yep got the uh the the feminine traits and all the my mum's a nurse so you know the typical caring um lovable character and i think you yeah, fit in there very thermometer. well thermometer yeah. in my back pocket boys you feeling <laughs> okay right. we've got a show pat on the back who wants to do your stretches yeah that's it man <laughs> wait that's i mean i wish that was an exaggeration but sometimes i just do that it's true hey yeah it i guess i am a maternal figure and yeah all right well that's you know, for, as far as like revelations I have during a podcast, that's certainly the one that I wanted to have straight up and get it out of the way. Yeah, done. <laughs> so, Dan, you're you're a drummer. Yeah. Why? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, it all started because basically when I was 18, 19, I was, had a bunch of friends at the time and they all played guitar and bass and vocals and no one was playing drums. And I thought I'd just sort of, give it a go um, to try and jam with my friends. And it kind of and just nothing, went from there. Nothing before that, like just drums straight in. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty unusual. I mean, you, you, what sort of music had you been exposed to in, in those sort of main years of like 13 to 18 without playing an instrument? Uh, so everything from say, well, I'm still a big Michael Jackson and Queen fan. I have been since I was a kid. And back then, you know, stuff like Metallica, um, you know, Iron Maiden's a pretty typical kind of heavy metal diet. Um, so that sort of stuff. And when I was venturing towards, you know, 16, 17, 18, it was getting more extreme, like, you know, Satyricon and 
Morbid Angel and that kind of stuff. You started tempting fate with the the um corpse paint, but knowing yeah. full well that that you're a ginger man inside. That's right. Yeah, I had no place. <laughs> <laughs> I've been uh, listening to um, a podcast at the moment called the the next podcast on the left, I think it is, and it's a crime one, and they're currently covering the um, black metal scene of the nineties. Yep, and it's all like it's all done the the way they've constructed their entire facade of being metal is so counter Australian. It's almost hard to believe. Like we're so silly here. Yeah. Yeah, so were you sort of were you silly about your your metal taste, or were you like a really serious metal guy? Uh, I reckon I went through phases where I thought I was pretty serious, but really, <laughs> <laughs> truly, I'm not really. It's sort of like a, it's definitely something that becomes apparent uh, in the Australian prog scene of just like, yeah, I used to take my stuff really seriously, and and you know what? Now I don't I don't really care. I'm just going to hang out over here. Pretty much. I mean, that's I guess that's probably how some of the more, at least for me. Um, more appealing music is made is just people being themselves and doing their own thing and following their own kind of little creative path rather than trying to be a uh, specifically, you know, cult black metal must be this, must be that kind of diet. So, yeah. Did that, did that sort of, um, did you fall out of love with that music or do you still sort of digest the new albums and things like that? Uh, not as in the loop, but I definitely still enjoy um, a lot of black metal stuff as well. I used to listen to a lot of black metal when I was younger. Still do really enjoy it, uh, but I'm definitely out of the loop in terms of when new albums come out. So I'll stumble across one somewhere. I'm like, oh, holy crap, got to give that a go. So definitely not as in tune, but still, still a fan. It's sort of like it's interesting being on on a podcast that's meant to be about fitness and having to brief the audience on what sort of black metal you're into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. True. <laughs> So they can get an idea of perhaps your drumming style or something yeah. like that. Like, yeah, I really identify with this guy. He um, he uh, likes bodybuilding stuff and uh, blast beats. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I much... really relate to that. Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> there's some people out there who do. Props to you. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, you guys, on not doing your workouts in corpse paint. <laughs> or if you do, congratulations for doing that too. No, I'd love to see that. That would be humorous. That could, you know. I, I sort of wish this was a Joe Rogan format where we're just face-to-face -face with the internet beside us and, and it's just like, hey, look at that thing on Google. Cool, let's talk about that for 25 minutes because I reckon that would be something that that could probably take the rest of the podcast talking about. That, that could be very entertaining indeed. Metal gym fails. Yeah, well, I probably will be up in Brisbane soon, so we can probably arrange that. Is this is this like a, a non-Neo-related thing, just yeah. coming up to hang out? Yeah, 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 definitely. Do you want to come up and run me through one of your workouts? Yeah, we can do that. Hit the gym. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. You're gonna <laughs> you're gonna see me in all of my my cut off band shirt glory. <laughs> I'll rock the same. Don't worry. <laughs> so you you're um let's let's start with this the vegan aspect because yep. I mean obviously we're gonna get into your workouts and things like that but the other guys I've had on the show um are staunchly. I don't know what the opposite of vegan is or if there's such thing as an opposite of a vegan, but they definitely fall into the category of believing that when you wake up as a vegan, you just put, as uh, Julian from Jack the Stripper put it, put some pesto on some bread. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, there's a lot of that. start that? Uh, I became vegan probably three years ago now. Uh, I was on tour in Europe, actually. And uh, I'd been thinking about it for quite a while, probably probably a couple of years or more actually, but I never really pulled the trigger. 
Um, and I'm not sure what prompted me exactly, but I just challenged myself to do it for a week. Because uh, we were on a bigger European tour, there was like some pretty decent catering. So it wasn't too hard for me to um, eat vegan, I guess. Uh, so that's pretty much how it came about. That was about three years ago. Uh, I think maybe some of the listeners from Australia might be curious to know why the Europe feeding thing is is a point of interest because I know exactly what you're talking about. But as a touring musician, maybe you could uh, elaborate on on what happens in Europe as opposed to Australia for bands. Yeah, so, well, depending, I guess it depends on the size of the tour too. I've done some tours where uh, the catering has been not too glorious, but I've also done some tours where the catering has been much better than what I'd uh, have at home. So essentially when you tour through Europe, uh, a lot of the venues have kitchens and people who are employed by the venues and they take from the tour manager, there might be a whole bunch of diet specifics or anything. In our case, we've got uh, myself, Zen and Troy, our sound guy are all vegan. So there's three of us who are vegan in our tour party. And so they take all that stuff on board and cook a whole bunch of food for the whole tour party. Uh, so it's quite easy. You basically turn up when the venue's open, there's generally some bits and pieces to eat. So there's like, you know, some meat platter stuff and there's fruits and veggies. And I always request organic um, tofu. So there's a lot of the time there's that there too. So that's, that's handy. And uh, yeah, you basically eat and then there's a lunch and say a dinner thing as well. And for the most part, it's generally pretty high quality food. It is a, it is such a treat that it is hard to sort of, I mean, I, this is only new to me in the last year or so, but when I got over there and the guy's like, you just wait for the catering, I had no idea what to expect. And then it was just, it was just a buffet. It was, it blew my mind. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, some places have absolutely incredible catering where it's, you're just like, wow, <laughs> it's like, it really makes your day. And flying, of course, flying vegan is a whole other thing as well. You've got to be, you've got to be super specific about that every like twenty minutes or something in case they forget. Yeah, yeah, and they fuck that up too. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah. So you've had that one. On oh the yeah. Where you just yeah. I'm a, I'm a hungry, sad, tired, yeah. sort of drunk man. Oh no. Yeah, they um, it, we have you know people who book our flights for us and what have you, and like they know who's vegan and they know what to book, but you know between airline and maybe emails get lost in the cluster of the internet somewhere, I don't know. But yeah, sometimes it gets stuffed up. And for example, on the flight, one of the flights home from our most recent European tour, uh, a week ago, um, they didn't have a vegan meal prepared for me. And I wasn't angry or upset, it's all good, these things happen. And she said she'd organize something for me and came out with a plate of rice. So, Thanks. cheers. <laughs> Uh, oh, she that was a, that was a, as far as her knowledge of veganism went that day as well yeah. like, look here's your damn rice i don't know about anything else today so yeah i i um said thank you very much and i had three spoonfuls and that was it <laughs> i'm surprised i mean this is this is getting getting away from it a bit but i'm surprised that tim charles isn't vegan he looks like a guy who would cuddle a deer in a forest no i don't know if tim will will go vegan uh yeah, don't think he will. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. He just, yeah. you know, he looks like a Disney prince. So I figures maybe he loves <laughs> okay. animals like a Disney prince. Yeah, I'm sure he has compassion towards animals, but uh, I think he's a slave to his taste buds 
just well, a, a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, you were away for how many days on that last tour? Uh, I think it was about 40. Oh. All right. Run. Were you able to exercise on a, on a run that big? Yes. All right. Go, tell me how. This is, I see, this isn't even for an audience now. I just need to research okay. this. Uh, me through a week of it. Okay. So to give you an idea of this tour also, it's, it was quite different to the normal tour because I was playing in two bands. Um, oh. So I was playing in the opening band, which was a 30-minute set, and then I had an hour and 10-minute break, and then it was 90 minutes with Neo. So I was shredding calories like a mofo on this tour. Um, so... I sort of tried to take a bit of a tactical approach. So um, before the first show, I had uh, BCAAs, which are branched-chain amino acids, shipped to the first venue, um, electrolyte tablets to try and help keep me uh, hydrated, and obviously some vegan uh, protein powder and stuff. Mm, what do you use? Uh, at home, I use... A at the moment, I've got a rice base one and a uh, the other one's made from soy and uh, pea extract. So I've got. Have you tried um prana, by the way? Yep. Yeah, I've got prana stuff here as well. Yeah, so good. Yeah, pretty tasty. Uh, so with that in mind, uh, the start of the tour, I was you know feeling good and I was prepared and playing pretty well and all that sort of stuff. So I was just basically sourcing out gyms wherever I went. And you'd call up and say, um, hey, I'm on tour. Could I try a free day pass or do you do you know, free passes? And more often than not, people are pretty cool and let you come down and train at the gym. So I'd do that before all the sound check and load in stuff started happening, if we had the time. And as the tour went on, I uh, became pretty uh, mentally exhausted and later physically exhausted too, just playing so much drums, two sound checks a day, warming up twice, two sets, and my motivation and mental um, motivation levels were dwindling, um, and I was eating uh, not too great towards the end, just basically eating anything I could just to get energy and keep me going, um, and still remain vegan, however, but there's also some terrible foods like corn chips and salsa and pastas and stuff that you can absolutely destroy and easily put on the body fat, uh, which I lent towards. So I definitely went backwards a bit on this tour, uh, but I was super motivated when I came back. And I've been back, what, 12 days so far, and I've gone to the gym every day bar one, I think. Yesterday I didn't go. So, yeah, it was pretty hard on that tour. But uh, if you sort of just open Google Maps, wherever you are, and type gym near me, a whole bunch of a list of gyms comes up with their phone numbers. You just hit call, and a lot of the time they'll speak English, wherever you are, uh, and just ask the question if they do a day pass or whatever. If they do, you just head down and work out for as long as you can. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, the diet side of things was tricky. Um, because a lot of European catering has heavy carb, so pastas, uh, rice, corn chips, all that sort of stuff. So it's pretty hard to stay away from that. Uh, but at the start of the tour, I was doing pretty well, 
and towards the end it was absolutely rubbish <laughs> what, what sort of um i'm assuming you do like a macro split don't uh i actually don't really count my macros i sort of just sort of just gauge what i think i'd need um so if i'm going to train legs for example i'll try and have a he heavy carb day and the day after i'll try, try and do a heavy carb day and i did legs uh yesterday so yesterday and today i'm trying to hit some heavy carbs um apart from that i don't specifically track my macros however i know i take between 140 and 100 and well, close to 200 grams of protein a day um and that's about the only one that i sort of can roughly gauge the rest i just kind of eat whatever as long as it's lean lots of vegetables and lots of boring stuff that no one else wants to eat basically so yeah yeah tell tell me about it like the the excited the more excited you get when you walk into a 7-eleven and see the nuts the, the more down that rabbit hole that you've you've actually got yeah pretty much so i'm getting increasingly more curious about a million questions i want to ask in the middle yep. of all these things so yeah, the sure. one thing that sticks out to me is the calorie approximation yeah so you you sort of know how much you need per day at this point don't you roughly yeah so i'm in a deficit at the moment and i reckon i'm roughly between 22 and 2400 calories a day that's your deficit yep well you gotta mind i'm um, i go for runs probably three to four times a week and i play drums anywhere from one to three to four hours a day so i burn a lot of calories do you, do you ever measure it? Have you got a Fitbit or anything like that? No. I've just basically... I'd be really curious. Yeah, me too, actually. Um, I was super curious on the last tour because, um, yeah, playing two sets a day and pretty physical stuff, um, I reckon I was shredding at least, you know, 1,600 calories probably between the two sets, 15 to 16. So I was actually worried I wouldn't be eating enough at one stage, but... Um, Coming back and looking in the mirror, I think I, I did did eat enough. <laughs> so I definitely put on a little bit of body fat. Right. So yeah. you, you said you your numbers sort of changed before and after. What were you gauging that off? Um, basically gauging it off how vascular I was and I guess, you know, all the lines and whatever you see. A, a, a good gauge for me, uh, probably different for everyone, is how vascular I am around like my lower abdomen. So if I start getting a lot of vascularity down there, I think, okay, cool. I'm starting to get pretty lean. And when I came back, there wasn't much there at all. So I'll definitely, <laughs> definitely put some on. How much do you weigh? Uh, right now I'm about 76. And when I left, I was about 75. But I did lose a little bit of muscle mass and put a little bit of body fat on. So 70, okay. So I just hit 76 kilos, but yep. I have like... I have no lower ab definition whatsoever. Okay. Have you ever been at that sort of that that sort of situation? Have you always been pretty lean? No. Growing up. Oh, cool. Tell me about this. I peaked out. My heaviest was probably, I think I got to about 88, 86, 88. I think it was, um, and that was only about just over twelve months ago, and. My lightest is about 71, which was about October last year. So I went through a period, well, I started training basically in July last year. So it's all still pretty new to me, but I went on a really, really crazy um, 
diet where I, for about four months, I didn't really eat anything that wasn't um, lean per se. So I wasn't having any um, like, you know, chips or heavy passes or any dirty kind of carbs or anything. And I was training a lot and doing cardio and stuff. And I shredded about 10 kilos of body fat in four months. Um, yeah, and got pretty, pretty lean. And then I've just started trying to increase muscle mass basically. So I'm probably after that, I was on a bit of a surplus and have been on ever since, but I'm on like a, a bit of a mini cut at the moment. And through winter, I plan on being on a pretty big surplus. You haven't necessarily been into fitness as a kid. No, just sports, but I was never like, you know, gym training. It's always been just like football sort of stuff, cricket. Well, obviously cricket because it's maybe the greatest sport. <laughs> there we go. Saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I used to be a big fan, you know, the Glenn McGrath, Shane Warne days. I think it's lost its glory now. So there's there's a type of allegiance that you have as a young Australian that grew up watching cricket. Yep, for sure. And it's it's like it's like your little secret back pocket card for making new friends. <laughs> yeah, I definitely made friends through cricket for sure in Caravan Park when I was a kid. You know, all the kids would congregate and smash the ball around. So 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 to add to our list, so we've got vegan bodybuilding, death metal drumming, cricket enthusiast. Yeah, well, a little. Side note: I did uh, play indoor cricket for Victoria when I was a teenager. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for photos. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested if there's photos actually. We're going back. And Presland cricket. We're going okay, back. It just comes up with 14, an intravenous drum playthrough. <laughs> it's that's not, the opposite that's of cricket. Quite it. The yeah. hidden symbols around, not not round balls. Here we go. Crick HQ. That's a profile, but I can't access. Oh, it. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Garen Garenong, Ger- what what is this place called? No idea. It doesn't ring Dan a bell. Jo- oh wait, no, that's that's saying Dan Jones. I'm gonna uh, keep trying to find it. Dude, hunt that out. If you um, find that, I'd love to see it. I want to see some photos. I reckon because I I played cricket as well, and I was a okay. ginger guy on the team. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. We would look like uh, sunburnt little jerks. <laughs> I actually I actually just got all my trophies off my mum recently. They're in a box. I've still got to I've still got to put them in a proud area. <laughs> you you might never win uh the artist of the year australian no but no. you'll have your cricket trophies that's it man <laughs> that's all i need so at your heaviest at 88 kilos yep what was that sort of like um on on a psychological level were you actually pretty happy or were you clueless until you looked at the scales and you went hold on a second um i was never happy like, i've been wanting to do what i'm doing now for a long time probably as anyone has really um and i basically was never happy i'm not happy now i'm the sort of person that's never really satisfied anyway but um definitely wasn't happy with how i was sitting physically um and always wanted to make a change but uh never did until i was you know early 30s so that's what what was the thing that stopped you from doing it uh, at a younger age uh i'm not even sure just laziness really I guess not not knowing the actual potential of how it can benefit your life in a positive way, all those sorts of things. I guess um, I couldn't even narrow that down to be honest, and I I don't even know how I did the diet I did when I first started because it was absolutely insane. 
like when you first started last year you yeah yeah it was absolutely insane like I, I literally didn't eat any like if we went out for dinner I would, you know even if we got um say vegan burgers or something i wouldn't eat the bread i'd take the bread away i wouldn't eat any fries um just like crazy crazy strict well i mean what was the goal were you were you going off numbers or were you uh, I don't, i'm not sure i really had a goal but i guess sort of whenever i take up new hobbies or do something it's like i i have to have it to do it at the most extreme form possible i can never sort of just go into something and go i'll go to the gym a couple of times a week and you know grow a couple of big guns and you know over a few years i might look all right like i just sort of have to be so i'm researching you know nutrition researching workout research you know asking friends and training with other people and just trying to gauge the, the the most effective and efficient way to go about it and i guess that's from my studies and research that i did that was kind of the most effective way this is really exciting because I, I feel like i'm just sort of coming up to that that point in my life where i'm just like well i've been doing like gym workouts and jogging and calisthenics and the yep. things that interest me to what i feel like is almost a half-hearted well i mean obviously it's half-hearted if i've been doing it for this long and and aren't achieving highly yeah when you think of something as efficient what, what does that mean to you well efficiency to me means doing something in a most i guess bang for buck method so um it's efficiency is something I'm, I'm just huge on in life in general so whether it's drumming or um, even a route. If I've got to take Erin somewhere, I always look up the most effective, efficient route, you know, to save me time and and um, petrol and whatever. So efficiency for me is getting the most you possibly can out of minimal, um, I guess, usage. So I, you know, I wouldn't say being efficient is is lazy or anything like that. It definitely takes more more, you know, thought and um, I guess planning into what you're doing, but um, it's just to me efficiency is very fulfilling it makes me feel good if i do something efficiently it's just a, a thing i have i guess it just makes me feel like i uh, feel good about myself because of the way i'm doing it is the in my in my eyes the best way possible sort of sort of interesting to be such a, like playing such a potentially grim style of music and be interested in being as positive and as effective in your life as possible yeah, I guess there's a bit of a contrast there, but um, yeah, it's definitely how I like to go about things. So do you have a, the early wake-up time? Uh, I do these days, yeah. Um, I don't set alarms, but I'm usually up between probably five and eight. No alarms between five and eight. That's that's a type of superhuman power going on. In <laughs> yeah, it's just sort of become normal now, I guess. Um, I like to go for runs really early. So, I mean, I've run as early as three in the morning. And I like to go for runs in the morning because uh, I guess I believe, well, fasted cardio works for me. So I do, when I do cardio, I do it on a fasted stomach. So I haven't eaten for uh, at a minimum 10 hours, at a maximum, you know, 14, 15 hours. Is that uh, something that you researched intently or is it just sort of coincidence that you found out that that worked? Um, probably from, yeah, doing a bit of research, um, it seemed to be that the most effective way well fasted interval training is probably the the most beneficial uh, but i'm not really one for sprinting and 
intervals and stuff. So I just stick to <laughs> my five to ten k run. That's about it. Uh, I started doing sprints this week. Okay, haven't done them. Haven't done them since high school. Is it? And it's awesome. I love it. Yeah. It's so like you can you can feel. You can feel like you've just had ice shoved into your lungs. Oh yeah, dude. Over ten minutes, as opposed to an hour. It's, so I think it's it's brutal. <laughs> it, it's that's well, it was the efficiency of jogging that I was getting a bit frustrated with because I'm like, I don't want to take an hour out of my day to go for a jog when I can just be totally munted. On Australian <laughs> listeners, um, you just you figure out what that one means yourself. All right, I'm not going to we're not going to walk you. Urban dictionary. Yeah, urban dictionary munted. Beautiful. Have fun. See you, see you guys when you're allowed to use the internet. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I I did a, a one set of sprints, so ten minutes, which was sprint thirty meters, um, jog back half, uh, walk back halfway, jog back the rest. Yep. Um As advocated by Jeff Cavalier from Athlete X, who I'm a big fan of. I don't know if you know. Yeah, him. I do. He's, he's your fan. Yeah, he's got a great body. <laughs> he's got. Yeah, I, I like. <laughs> I like the sort of. Oh, yeah, he's got a great body. Oh yeah. But, Oh yeah, I'm not even gonna to try to hide it now. Have you seen that man's everything? Yeah, if you can. I love it. I mean, one thing too is a lot of these guys with all their videos, obviously they know exactly where to put their lighting and stuff and all that and their <laughs> angles. But there's no denying. I got that now. <laughs> you sure do. You look. Can you, look you see this. that? You're wholesome. Yeah, I'll tell you why. <laughs> look at that. Oh yeah, dude. Wholesome. Wholesome uh, softbox. Yeah. Now I've got Dutch angles going on. <laughs> so, all right. This is, okay. I, I'm sorry to the other guests on my podcast so far, but I feel like I can actually really identify with a lot of, especially that that obsession with efficiency. Um, mm-hmm. I've discovered the the absolute love in to do lists and countdown timers. I've got a, t- a timer going in the background right now, just so I know how long I spend doing this podcast oh, a yeah. week. Yep. And I use an app called Forest, which is a phone blocker. So you grow a little tree on your phone. And if you use anything on your phone, your tree dies and you feel like a bad person. Not a real tree. Oh, that's cool. But you still feel bad. That's a nice idea. Yeah, it's, hmm. it's cute. You can get you can get forests that looks like octopuses and cats and stuff. And I'm all about that. Yep. Love it. I'm a def- definitely a cat person. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and um, I, you know, I would have guessed that. I feel, I feel like you're springy by nature. Okay. There you go. <laughs> I hope sometimes you wake up and you're like, I do feel like a springy boy. I'm going to go for a jog. <laughs> sometimes, yes. <laughs> um, sometimes it's pretty hard. Like I was going to go for a run this morning, but I did leg yesterday and I absolutely destroyed my calves. And so they just don't want to move. I don't even know if I'm going to play you, drums today. <laughs> do you do like remedial work and stretchy work and yoga and stuff like that? No, but yoga's I think on my next um list of uh you know health hobbies i guess or implementing into my routine i i do i from what i'm looking and reading about yoga i'm, I'm really really interested do you desire that sort of like mo- fluency and mobility uh, i don't know if it's that i just like like my whole thing is i want to have like you know the healthiest physical and healthiest mental me to experience life in you know um, the most extreme way possible. So by that I mean living it, to, you know, living my experience to its fullest potential. And I feel like yoga could help me um, swing me more so in that direction. Mm. I, I've I've been 
So, okay, all right, shameless plug, as if the person I'm talking about is ever going to listen to this, and all my friends who are listening to this are going to be rolling their eyes, like, <laughs> yeah, we get it. But I really enjoyed this this YouTube channel um, called Yoga with Adrian. Okay, just le- don't even, don't read into that. Okay. Don't read into that. But uh, she's this chick who's just, like, a bit silly with her yoga courses. She does a 30-day introductory course. It's just yep. on YouTube. You can just do it every day. And to be honest, it took me, like, a... a sort of i don't know six months to actually get through because i was so casual about it but i really enjoyed the process of of like um breaking a few boundaries in a mobility way you know when okay so you know that sensation of nailing a part yeah yeah it it was sort of like that but it was transferred to a mobility feeling so i was able to stretch my hip in this this Very really, cool. really lovely way and, and start laughing because I was like so happy with that feeling of stretching a bit further. Yeah, well, that would be, I mean, if that's your goal and all of a sudden the body's folding itself in half and that's a good feeling, <laughs> then why yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, you've seen the Metalocalypse episode where they all start doing yoga? No, I haven't. I, I haven't even seen that show. You've never seen Metalocalypse? How non-metal that's... I am. Whoa. Yeah. The backlash from this is going to be all over Twitter that oh, I don't have. but shit. <laughs> yeah i don't have twitter either god thank god yeah okay we're safe yeah so as far as um like the musicians that you looked up to when you were drumming did you have any that were sort of half fitness icons as well not really i don't think so i mean gene hoagland's a bit of a, a bit <laughs> of a bit of a unit he is a um, unit and he's lost a ton of weight he has. have you seen him recently yeah i met him a couple of years ago and he looked pretty pretty slender so what was he like Super nice dude. Yeah, very nice. Yeah. Yeah. He looks cuddly. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and also a legend, I guess. I, I always forget the, about the whole death thing. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Somehow. I mean, not a drummer. So I, whenever I'm reminded, I'm like, that's yeah. right. He's that guy who was part of that really awesome time in death metal. Yeah. Well, for sure. An influence uh, of mine, definitely. What about guys like um, D- uh, Daniel Gildon, though? Pain of Salvation? Mm. Or... Um, do you know him? No, I don't actually. I do know the band, but I don't know about him specifically. It was it was always a big thing where I I put fitness and music sort of at this juxtaposition where if I suddenly started caring, even though I totally did about caring about myself, I would feel like in direct opposition to what like the don't give a fuck attitude of metal was when I was a teenager. <laughs> okay, so yep. it was really hard to give a shit, but at the same time I was deeply aesthetically insecure like oh, i'm a fat pile of shit yep 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 okay and I, I was a, i was a hundred kilos at 19 so i was a big Damn, boy yeah well you've come a long way yeah well i mean there was there was a there was some sad things and there were some happy things that happened yeah but the the thing was I, I started to notice a pattern between some of my favorite musicians say like john petrucci who just got he just went from skinny dude to bulk dude like famous bulk dude as well yep okay yep yeah john petrucci Petrucci looks looks swole. He's a swole boy. Yeah. Um, if he's listening, get him a podcast, please. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be helpful. Yeah. But so you, you haven't toured with many other musicians that are that are sort of down your same path of health and well being? Um, I have. I guess um a lot of them that I've toured with are maybe more casual. So they they go to the gym, you know, now and then sort of thing. Um, no one that's sort of like a daily gym person who i guess monitors their their diet on a I guess relatively higher level <clears throat> so no one that comes to mind actually um a lot of the guys in the band have 
started going to the gym recently as well, which is really cool. So we quite often go together, which is nice. Are oh, you training Matt? Yes. Okay, so Matt's the guitarist and Nibbler Viscaris for the yep. thousands of millions of people out there. Yeah. Um, what's his journey been like watching that happen? Yeah, well, he, he was a bit bigger, say, six, eight months ago. And, yeah, he's definitely turned his physique around. He's definitely a lot more slender now and gaining some muscle mass, which is really cool to see. And he's... Training him? Is it all your input? <laughs> no, no. Well, I mean, I've shown him some stuff, but it's all his... Um, mo- like, he's, he's still going most days, even back home. So it's mostly his motivation. So that's really good to see. I guess a lot of people, it's easy to start, but it's hard to be consistent. And consistency is probably the hardest part, I'd say, Um, keeping it consistent. So he's doing really well, really proud of him. So when you you were first getting into bodybuilding and things like that, your consistency, you just went 100%, I'm going to do the full hypertrophy thing five days a week and you didn't fall off the wagon? Pretty much, yeah. Basically, from day one, I mean... Um, yeah, going once, um, when I'm really motivated, I go twice a day and have kept it really consistent apart from the last half of the last tour. So apart from that, I've been pretty, pretty, uh, pretty good. I'm curious to know what excites you. Um, what excites me, I guess, is, um, functioning. Well, the, the, the biggest excitement, excitement for me is being able to function uh, I guess my body functions on a higher level. So being the efficient nut that I am, that's something that really, really excites me. Um, I can do some pretty wild things on, you know, lower amounts of sleep and um, just being able to, for example, play two sets for nearly seven weeks on tour. And that was a very physically and mentally demanding challenge. And I'm not sure I would have been able to do that if I wasn't um, as, I guess, you know, focused on my health is what I had been. Uh, things like that are really cool. Also, the <clears throat> the, the confidence-related um, aspects of it too. I mean, I'm not like a, uh, a beach guy or anything like that, but um, it certainly helps align the menti- mental, physical confidence, and it just, I guess, um, gives you more functional capacity as a human, which, which really excites me as well um but for the most part it's definitely i guess the reason why i started and the reason why i'm continuing is because it's allowing me to uh do more physically at a at a much higher level so if if you were going to be say you meeting like a, a little dan a little daniel okay. uh, from many many years ago yep. and he's like hey man so I want to start working out and, and you look like you figured it out and they wanted to know what the first week was going to be like. I mean, what, what did you experience during that first week of, of hitting it hardcore? Uh, I could barely drive home. <laughs> um, the, the moods from the, the diet are pretty extreme. Um, yeah, you can't really walk anywhere. You can't really lift your arms and do much. Uh, you're in a lot of pain all the time and your food's going to taste like absolute shit. <laughs> you should do that. You should yeah. keep going, little Dan. Best luck. You should do it. You're going to have a great time. Yeah, hit me back in a week and 
Yeah. <laughs> and what? Where did it get fun? Um, I think it really got fun when I actually started feeling the progress. I think I, I saw progress physically before I started feeling it. Um, but when I really started feeling the progress and feeling, okay, I'm actually getting stronger and things are, it's becoming beneficial in my day-to-day life, that's when I really started um, getting excited about it and making me want to continue doing it. Uh, it all, a lot of it stemmed actually, well, part of it stemmed was I tried to get on my roof one day uh, mid last year and I could barely lift myself up on the roof. And um, I thought to myself, wow, I've really, really lost a lot of strength. So that was one of my catalysts. Of course, there was some, some other things going on at the time, but that was one of the things that made me really think, um, yeah, I should really do something about this. Do, do you feel like you know your body's um, physiology well enough to know what suits you the way, the way that you're built? Say like you you know you're did you say seventy six kilos? Yep. You're not you're not a hundred and ten kilo sort of Maori guy. <laughs> no. So, do you feel like you you understand what your body's meant for? Um, interesting question. I don't know if I know what it's meant for, like in terms of potential and stuff like that. But I mean, I'm I'm not aiming to be like you know a ninety odd kilo five foot ten you know, massively huge kind of guy. I do, I guess for me, I enjoy being on the leaner side. So I think I think my body would look and feel pretty good at about 80 kilos, but, you know, like a low body fat, 11%, let's say. So that's okay. probably, I guess, a goal of mine, whether or not I'll hit it or not is another story because that's still quite a way away. Uh, but, Where are you at at the moment? Um, well, before I left, I mean, it's always hard to say with body fat percentage, but before I left for Europe a couple of weeks before, I reckon I was about pretty low, around the 10% mark, maybe 9%. I was pretty lean. And when I came back, I reckon I was up around the 13, 14. So I definitely gained quite a bit of body fat overseas. Um, but I shredding it off pretty quick, like I'm running again and being pretty good with my diet so it won't take long to shred off um and once i've kind of cut the body fat i guess my plan is to be in a surplus over winter and gain some more muscle mass and then spend you know a month two months shredding it before summer there's a i guess i guess sort of two things i'm sitting here admiring your um your instagram trying to find a good reference picture Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's there's one um on your day off in somewhere beautiful, no doubt. Um, smashing a brewski, and you've got from the side basically like every muscle that could possibly exist on the side, able to be visible. Okay. Yep. Yep. You know the one? Yeah, I do. Uh, that would have been in the US. Were you from surprised? Last year? When you saw that, like, are you sort of aware of your progress uh, as you go? Yeah, well, I used to take progress shots weekly. Hmm. Um, that sort of stopped a few months in because I just sort of couldn't be bothered anymore, basically. Yeah. But I do take progress shots from now and then, and I, I'm not sure I was surprised because I think the hard work's in the diet, and like my diet game was really strong, 
So I guess it just gave me confidence that what I'm doing is working and to continue, to, to continue doing what I was doing. So um, I guess the, you know, ad de definition and, you know, your side, what's the ones on the side called? Just past your ads, your... Um, I believe they're called the cheeky boys on the side. The <laughs> cheeky boys on the side. When <laughs> the I, when I, part of the quadratus lumborum and the bottom part of the fucking... I really should know this. Yeah, I, I know what it is. It's just not coming to me. Those ones, when they're, I guess, when there's definition there is when you know you're sort of hitting the, um, the lower body fat, uh, the obliques. Oh, yeah, just general oblique. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I guess that's when you're sort of hitting the lower body fat ranges um, and, you know, becoming more vascular and stuff like that. Um, so I guess when I started noticing that, I'm like, all right, cool. The diet's working. Just just keep at it. Um, I'm not sure I was surprised. I was just, like, glad it was working, I guess. Are, are you sort of more straight up and down proportionate or do you, do you consider yourself like a, a mesomorphic in sort of individual? Uh, how, does, how do you mean by that? Like, you know, okay, you see those guys who, who you, you look at them and you're like, how much footy though? And they're like, a lot of footy. They're all sort of just gigantic wide shoulders. Okay. Have I got that right? Have I got mesomorph right? Or are you... Are, oh, you, sort of are like, you talking like ectomorph? Yeah, I mean, I don't... I okay. tend to not like using those because I, I feel like there's some evidence out there that would support those body types being nothing more than just a resistance to carbohydrates in general. Yeah. Um. It's not, it's definitely not the theory, but I feel like I understand it. But as far as like being between ectomorph, if we use those terms, being the straight up and down and the mesomorph being like built built to do push-ups for days. Okay, yeah. Where do you think you sit? Um, I'm definitely not a slow gainer, per se. Um, I think my body is more on an athletic edge. So I think my genetics, I'm probably a little bit lucky with the genetic side of things. Um, I'm definitely not like, you know, built for rugby league, you know, without training sort of thing. But on the other hand, I think I'm pretty lucky with genetics on the physical side of things. So maybe halfway between, I'd say. So you you um, are able to... Because I mean, if I'm on a if I'm on a deficit, I'm probably on like seventeen hundred or eighteen hundred. Whereas your deficits, yeah. even even with running and things like that, I I even struggle to get twenty five hundred calories in a day. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd I reckon and, around the twenty two hundred mark would sit me in a deficit. Not a huge one, but I'm definitely in a deficit. Um, it's really hard for me to be in a in a, in a super deficit because of. Um, you know, drumming is essentially my job and I do it for hours a day and if I'm not on point with my diet, that can really suffer how much time I can put into drums every day. Is that an age thing as well? Now that you've been doing it for long enough, you're aware of what you feel like? Um, it definitely, in a way, like the age hasn't slowed me down or anything. If anything, what I'm doing at the moment is really assisting my longevity and focus periods. Um but it's hard to hard to answer. Um, obviously, youth is a beautiful thing, and we'd all love youth forever. But um, I'm not even sure yet. Not even sure. Still working that out. I've definitely become more aware of it through doing yoga. Okay. Yep. And also, I have to admit, like I'm a bit of a bit of a 
enthusiast meditator have you done any before i have i have but it's not something i've been consistent with and it's something i would like to be consistent with actually there's some parts of it that I've really enjoyed. If anything, it, it serves as more just an opportunity to have a think about some stuff, like an express period of, you know, when you yeah. go to the gym, you're like, okay, this is the time to do gym stuff. I'm not yeah. about to go mow the lawn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. like an express period for inner, inner dialogue. And, and one of the inner dialogues that I sometimes am forced to have are things like, what do I actually feel like today? And I'll sit there for 10 minutes breathing and going what do i feel like today and i go i feel like i'm a thick person and then i'm like that's nonsense all you yeah. disagree so i have to realign my my way of thinking and and really proprioception and go okay look the reason why you feel like this is because maybe your back is quite tight and then suddenly my back will be like please release me and i'm like okay little guys and then suddenly i'll feel a little bit more free in my movements and i go oh i think this is the accumulation of age yeah okay it could definitely be be a thing, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm still figuring that figuring that out. I reckon. So you can do the five hours, five hours of sleep, go for a jog thing, no problem. If I ha if that's what my schedule permits, then yeah. Ideally, I want my eight hours. Um, but um, yeah, I can definitely like, for example, the day I landed from Europe uh, was you know eight p.m. or something. I went to bed at I don't know eleven p.m. And I was up at 3 or 3.30 and I went for a run. <laughs> so It's time, Daniel. You yeah. must run. Yeah, well, I was just like super motivated. And honestly, I couldn't wait to start, you know, hitting my routine again. So there was that and the fact of, you know, probably not being able to sleep for eight hours because of the time differences and whatnot. I learned a lot about jet lag. Um, I, I did photography at a pathologist conference the other week and they discussed what jet lag actually is. And it was it was fascinating to know it had tons to do with the way that your retinas absorb cortisol hmm. okay um so if you do blue light therapy just just in the future this is something i want to try with the next two hour you wear these little blue led things and your eyes start to receive the new messages of color as daylight and produces the appropriate cortisol at the appropriate times as if you already understand the light patterns because for example blind people can't get uh normal normal cortisol patterns because their retinas aren't working properly. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's very interesting. That's, yeah, it's that's like, sort of like the Lux thing on your phone when you yeah, make yeah. it darker at night. Yeah. Same sort of thing. You don't want the blue light because that uh, gives you more cortisol. Yeah, that's very cool. Super so cool. let's get into it. You said you were excited to get back into your routine. Let's yeah. fucking do it. Yeah, let's fucking hear let's about go. this routine. Let's <laughs> okay. go. Um, okay. Got a pencil here and everything. Yeah, so basically... Um, so I'll wake up between five and eight. Uh, first thing I'll do three to four times a week is my passive cardio. So I'll run anywhere between five and 10 kilometers. Um, and I'll do that until I'm, I guess, satisfied. I've had a certain body fat that I'm happy with and which I'm hoping is only for another three to four weeks. And after that, um, I'll eat, get my fuel, um, and then I'll head down to the gym and I'm trying something at the moment, which is basically working the same body part every single day. So I think my arms are a little bit of a slow gainer. So I'm trying to crush arms every single morning and I'm going to try that for a month. And whether it works or not, and I know a lot of people are like, that's stupid. And a lot of people say, you must rest and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But that's something I'm going to try. 
Um, so I'll do that. Come back from the gym and I'll eat again as a refuel. Is this the workout we're going to do, by the way? <laughs> uh, we'll see where I'm at as to what we'll do. But you don't. I don't. I'm not sure if you're up for arms for 30 days straight. If you are, we can do it. <laughs> okay. No. Before we move on to what you do when you get home, let's yep. let's look at this same body part workout. Okay. Um, I can't remember. There was a name for this, but <laughs> okay, basically cool. I'm doing arms. So, and I'm trying to mix up the workout. So I'm doing some days I'll do a lot of supersets. Uh, some days I won't. Um, some days I'm lifting lighter, but you know a lot more repetition. And um, basically trying to angle it from as many different ways as possible. So I'll do like uh, what's called, have you heard of 21s? Mm-hmm. So you do... Please, please explain it for everyone, yeah. Okay, so it's with, um, I guess you could do it with barbells or dumbbells. Um, you do seven repetitions working the lower range of motion, seven repetitions working the higher range of motion, and then you finish doing the full extended range of the arm. So the very low, um, almost fully flexed out to the top. So basically not trying to release any tension on the muscle group that you're trying to target, which promotes what's called hypertrophy, um, which is a really cool exercise. I find that really slaughters me when I hit that pretty hard, that one. So I like that one. So you start with arms as you get in the gym? Uh, at the moment, that's what I'm doing. So I'm, I'm hitting arms every single day for my first session. So I'll do that in the mornings for about, not too crazy, like 45, 50 minutes. Um, and while I'm doing that, I'm listening to material I need to work on. So a lot of click tracks and stuff like that. So I'll try to multitask my morning. Is that efficiency <laughs> smack you right in the face? Yeah. I love, I love that, man. Like the idea of someone knowing who you are, coming up to you at the gym, like, are you Dan? Are you Dan from Neo? And you're like, yes, I am. And you take your, your headphones out and all they can hear is... Doo, 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 yeah, doo, that's doo, pretty doo, much doo. it. Yeah. That's a real thing that could happen to you in your life. Absolutely. Yes. That is a dream come true for any fanboy. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that's what I'm doing right now because I've got um, actually got quite a lot of work to do um, music-wise. So um, I drive down, put the headphones in, do my workout, um and then uh generally that's the length of the album that i'm trying to learn so it works out pretty well <laughs> and you can focus pretty well on both those things at once yeah i mean not uh, not not really but it's the repetition of hearing the, the the stuff in my head that kind of helps so little licks and hooks and stuff stick out and then the next time you listen you can sort of you know when it's coming and it's it's mainly getting the structures down really that i'm trying to do uh, in the gym because it's hard to focus on both because I really do try and focus on the muscles that I'm um, trying to trying to work. So that's pretty much what I'm just trying to do there. So you go from arms to to are you, like are you putting other stuff in other days or? Yeah. So at the moment I'm going twice a day, probably five times a week. So I'm basically doing arms in the morning, five times a week, and then I go home. Uh, feed up again and I'll quite often do a lot of work on the computer whether it's videos emails just the general hustle um, talking to clients or you know sorting out at the moment I've got a whole lot of tax stuff I've got to do and stuff like that 
just to unwind a bit and then I'll try and get into my first drum session of the day. So I try to get into that about 11ish, 11.30 and I basically play drums until I'm hungry. So which is probably anywhere from one to two hours in my first session and then I've just got to eat again. So after that, yeah, I'll just have another, another, another refuel. Um, and then depending what I've got on during the day, like I might have to, have to do some chores around the house or, you know, washing, all that sort of stuff. Um, I'll do that or I will do basically um, another drum session straight after. Yeah, you, you absolutely destroy calories, yeah. you're right. Yeah, so basically after I have my lunch refeed, um, then I do, if I've got some chores or errands I need to do, I'll go and do that because it's still business hours or if I've got nothing on or if I have to really put some serious time into something, um, I jump on another drum session and do that for another hour or two. Um, and then after that, I've got to feed again and then um, I head off to the gym between 4.30 and 5.30 and train. Uh, I normally train in the afternoon with a couple of friends of mine who actually showed me pretty much a lot of what I know uh, training-wise. So, yeah, thanks, Tim and Tom. Uh, they're pretty advanced and um, pretty, like, they're very consistent with their training, so that's good to have. I guess, training buddies that are on the same kind of wavelength. That really helps. Um, so we'll train anywhere from an hour to, it's a good day, we'll go for two hours. Um, and that's kind of my afternoon uh, session in. And then after that, it's another big feed. So I refeed again after that session. And then I pretty much call it a day so it's just uh, chilling out after then. I try to chill out. Sometimes I've got to take care of some more um, admin emails, that sort of crap or, um, you know, stuff around the house. But, yeah, generally I try to chill at the night time. So do you structure your workouts um, in the afternoon so that you can train again first thing in the morning or is that why the arms are so beneficial to do in the morning? Um, I basically do... I mean, pretty typical, I'll do chest Monday, you know, chest and tries Monday or just chest. And, you know, Tuesday I might do, say, back and then we go to legs and then we go to shoulders and just basically keep going all through the different body parts. Um, I try and basically, like, try and throw in a bit of whatever I think my... Um, weakest part is um, I'll try and throw in a bit of extra in a session here and there so um, I'm really trying to hit my carbs at the moment so you know if I'm doing back I might just go through five sets on calf raises or something and then on legs I'll hit it again um, I don't know if that's beneficial or not yet but it's just something I'm, I'm trying so in a few months so most things you're doing a, a high rep range um, I try to go between 10 and 15 reps with whatever I'm doing. So I'm not the most strongest. Like I, the most I can bench is 90 kilos flat bench. So I'm not exactly strong, but um, 
do try and hit a lot of high reps and yeah, hypertrophy is something I'm really trying to do. Um, something a tour buddy of mine in the States, Brian, showed me. He was our driver for a tour and he's pretty knowledgeable in the fitness areas and we used to go to the gym together a lot actually in the US. Uh, he, oh, thanks, Brian. Yeah, Keeping you accountable. Good dude, good dude. Uh, he showed me uh, negatives. They're called negatives. So basically, for example, if you're on a, a chest machine, whether it's you know incline or whatever, you rep out, you know, 12 reps or until failure, and then what you do is you have a training partner assist you doing the outwards motion, and you hold against the resistance of it, and for five seconds. So push out helps you push out and then you've got to have you know negative resistance for five seconds you keep doing that until failure pretty much and that uh that that one really really gets you that's good i like that exercise yeah no no thanks um <laughs> you can do though i can't i well, i remember trying to learn how to do muscle ups through negatives right so like hey do you want to defy gravity today yeah that's pretty much it <laughs> it's torture it's a type of torture in some cultures i swear like fetch the negative dip machine you're like no not the negative dip machine yeah basically <laughs> uh yeah that that's a rip of that exercise i really like it and do you get into like do you get right down into the chemistry and, and physics of what's going on in in your muscles and body i do try i guess my knowledge isn't very advanced yet on that but it's something i'm definitely always learning about um so something i'm really interested in at the moment is I guess upper and lower chest kind of um, a lot of people say you can't work an upper chest a lot of people like target your upper chest a lot of people say you can't target your lower chest people say it's just genetics how your chest you know will grow and, and shape which I guess is always going to be a factor um, but I guess I'm trying to target upper chest at the moment so from what I've seen and read and looked at um, stuff like uh, incline bench and getting on the cables and going from low to high will help upper chest so that's something i'm trying on chest days at the moment how do you avoid bro science i mean that's that's probably the worst part about youtube and the best part you've got all these great guys like jeff cavalier and then you've got just that guy it's hard to say but generally i will look at stuff like um if they have a diet they recommend so if someone ha looks good and you think, wow, how did they get there or what did they do? Um, it's either a few things. So they're either juicing or using tests, uh, testosterone boosters or something, or they have a lethal diet and a lethal workout. Or I guess I try and filter through all that stuff because I'm not interested in um, what doesn't interest me using, you know, any hormone growth or testosterone stuff. And... So I try and filter through that. So I think I'm becoming okay being able to pick who's perhaps natural and who's not. Um, the, the bullshit artists of, of YouTube. Yeah, which is, you know, there's quite a lot of it. And there's quite a lot. also it's incredible what, what you can do with lighting and, as you'd know, <laughs> uh, lighting and uh, <laughs> positioning, angling. So it's especially on Instagram and stuff, it's really, really hard to see what the hell is actually going on. But um, uh, yeah. People with a lot of content and put out a lot of content and I guess who look good and aren't, are willing to, I guess, put themselves in uh, uh, fragile lighting situations, 
is something I'm a fan of because it's like, okay, that's real. <laughs> um, totally. So I look for stuff like that and if, if you know, all that stuff kind of clicks with me, then I'll look into what they're doing or perhaps subscribe to, you know, their YouTube or their Instagram or whatever and, and just take on board some stuff. So a guy I really like at the moment is called Mike Thurston. How do you spell that? Uh, T-H-U-R-S-T-O-N. Um, and he claims to be natural. And I think he might be. He's on the upper escalon of, you know, being quite large and lean where you're like, it's kind of questionable. But I think he's probably got some pretty godlike genetics and like his workouts and the way he trains is, is in my opinion, like really, 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 really good. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I just just put a little subscribe there and I'll, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, so I guess to sort of try to taper all this stuff together, um, I, I kind of want to know, and this could be a little bit of an out there question, but let's talk about, let's f sort of finish on drumming. Cause I think this, this is an interesting thing to bring it back around to, because I'm certain there's a correlation between your sort of n no nonsense attitude towards not wasting time and planning your time as best as possible. What about like, the way this relates to the way that you learn drums because for, for context for those people listening um you started drums at 18 got your first drum kit at 19 and by and i know we've talked about this before before we started recording but in three years later you set a I mean, we can call it a sloppy record but it's still a record for the fastest kicks in drums right um what it was exactly was it's a competition to see how many strokes in a minute and for Australia, I won that. Oh, it was Australia. Yeah. It was Australia. Still. So how many did you get? I can't remember. It was 900 and something. <laughs> <laughs> what does that work out to be in a BPM? Do you, um, do you know, like well, let's strokes? say 250 BPM, 16. So that's 1,000 strokes. So probably high 230s, maybe. <laughs> but it was sloppy. That's what, that's it would have been sloppy, yes. <laughs> that's i mean i'm not telling anyone that you're you're you know rubbish feet but you can do it real fast <laughs> you know, the, the goal is to do it so fast that no one can tell the difference between the two sounds anyway there you go. yeah just like a hummingbird motion yeah yeah general hummingbird. <laughs> yeah. so you had to pray what sort of practice schedule did you did you have or did you put together to to even get near there uh, i mean look back then i you know as anyone who's new to something i wasn't exactly efficient um, and I wasn't sure exactly how to practice but I was putting a good few hours every day into drums um, I don't think it was until probably five years ago that my practice routine really hit um, a new level so it did take me quite some time to knuckle down and um, put the serious kind of practice in you know, where I guess you've got enough knowledge and know-how and stuff to really develop um, an advanced kind of routine. So, well, what was that sort of breakthrough for you? Like, what was the know-how that you needed to be like, all right, I've got it, let's go hard now? Uh, basically, just the consistency. So, I think knowing what I needed to achieve and having the awareness of, you know, where I was at, the self-awareness of that, which I think is a big... Uh, a big important factor, um, having the, the self-awareness and knowing of where I wanted to go, 
um, the breakthrough basically was the consistency. So hitting it every single day, um, not seeing improvements for you know four, six, eight weeks at a time, but still being consistent. Um, and I had a pretty, pretty crazy routine for a good few years straight at one point, which is probably the, in terms of you know metal drumming, that was the big breakthrough breakthrough for me how um what, what sort of regiment like what what makes a solid practice for you what's one that you leave that and go yep cool done uh basically i like to have long productive sessions where i don't fall back on the same old thing i've been playing for years so a good a session for me will be um for example my first session of the day i like to work on uh, material that I need to play live. So if I'm working for a band or for Neo's going to go on to I'll play through the set, which is anywhere, if, you know, if you're doing a support tour, it's probably 40 minutes. If you're headlining, it's 90 minutes. So I'll play through the set um, and I'll do that every day for a couple of weeks leading up to the tour. Or if I'm working on um, an album for a band, I'll play through all their songs once or twice. And then the second drum session for the day is generally... A practice session for me so practice for me means things playing that I'm not comfortable with or things I don't know um, or just doing drills so really long drills like I do a lot of double bass drills I just get a uh, timer and uh, hit a metronome and basically try to sound as much like a robot as I possibly can for that uh, for that, that time the, the Gene Hoglan atomic clock approach. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Just um, just trying to yeah be as consistent as, as possible. So a timer lasts for how long, roughly? I like to do 10-minute ten uh, 10 10 runs. Sprints, interval training. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Uh, and so and the metronome, you do, do you sort of have a baseline that you can start most exercises at? Yeah, so it really depends what I'm doing. So... At the moment, I'm working on some stuff that, so I lead right-handed and play right-handed. So I'm trying to get a whole lot of left-hand lead and left-hand side of my body doing things it doesn't normally do sort of stuff. And that floats around the 160 to 180 BPM at the moment. Um, for the stuff I'm comfortable at, the 10-minute runs, I can do up to 215 BPM, 16th note. Um... So I haven't really pushed that for quite a while because I haven't needed to. Um, I sort of did need to push it the speed a little bit before the most recent tour because uh, the band I played, the opening band I played for, was up around the 240, 250 BPM range, which is it's pretty, pretty fine. <laughs> it's just noise. It's it's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. It's angry noise. I think I heard a little bit of that um, from the stories on Instagram. Yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy stuff. So. I had to really, and I didn't have a great deal of time to get that all sorted. So um, actually for the three, four weeks leading up to that tour, I was having three drum sessions a day. Like I was finishing at 9 o'clock at night, 9.30 at night, some nights. It was absolutely crazy. Do you get the self-doubts pretty hard? Um, you know what? I just try and put myself in a position where that can't be possible. So I'm... I'm a, I have a pretty high work ethic, so I try not to put myself in a position where that is going to happen, and that's going to happen if I'm not prepared or if I don't put in the you know the huge amount of hours. 
especially on short notice stuff. So I basically put myself in a position where I work myself into the ground to a point where, but, you know, I know, or not sort of know, but I put myself in the best position possible to be able to do what I need to do. Yeah, quite passionately as well. I guess when you're not doing, because you were working and then stopped at a certain point, right? Yeah, probably, uh, yeah, three years ago now. I, uh, well, yeah, resigned from a full-time career. What were we doing? Uh, train driver. Train driver. Man, you would have been the most handsome train driver in Melbourne. <laughs> I'll take that. Dangerous I'll stuff. take that. Yeah, yeah. That's a freebie for yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> Confidence is shot. <laughs> but, so, but at that point, surely that would have been a, a good um, moment for you to go, hold on a second, I can actually focus on the stuff that's important to me. Yeah, well, it was definitely a point in time where um, I guess... I wanted to, you know, always see myself as a hobbyist, maybe a serious hobbyist drummer to a drummer that's, um, I guess, if you like to put yourself in a place where you're regarded as, you know, a professional or, or world-class um, musician at what you do. So it, it helped put me on the path of, you know, having that goal of, of putting myself in a position where um, I see myself as, you know, a professional musician which is still the the long and never-ending <laughs> road basically <laughs> have you had any moments where where you've realized that someone considers you to be a professional expert uh yeah i guess i do i get hounded on instagram a lot about drum stuff so um i actually did a post on my facebook recently to address a lot of double kick and triggering stuff which is very big in the the heavy music world uh, because I, I reckon probably every single day 9.2 times out of 10 someone or multiple people ask me about it and um, it's not that it's not I don't mind answering it's actually it becomes time consuming so yeah yeah that's why I kind of did a post so now I can just link people to that and go here. You go. I'm gonna. Here's the manual. Try to find it. <laughs> here's all the stuff. It's on my Facebook. That I. Okay. Did that. I'm going through it. Yeah. Pictures of drums. Yeah. Pictures of runs. Pictures of drums. <laughs> pictures of metal guys. Okay. Pictures of drum stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna just gonna comment over and over. Can you play one by Metallica? <laughs> You're that guy. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. 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 Hey, but like, how long did it take you to learn one by Metallica? Fucking immediately, mate. <laughs> you just sit there and you just do it. That's it, man. That's uh, it. Man, this is this has actually been a really, really cool talk. I think I think what we should do is we should revisit this um, sometime in the future and really get nitpicky about some of these practice concepts and see if we can't try tie, tie some um, workout results to the time that you're spending doing exercise as well. Yeah, that would be rather interesting, I think. Because your focus seems to be fairly um, fairly resilient. I mean, I get distracted in, in two seconds. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, the staying consistent, and I mean, I've probably said that five times already, but to, to me, that's the biggest thing. And I guess the number one thing, no matter what I've done in life, if I've been consistent and focused with something, is when I will see results. Um, so 
it's definitely something I, I, I try and consistency and efficiency you know, is pretty much my middle name. It's what I try to implement in everything I do. I guess so just one, one final thing that, that I want to kind of ask you before we start gossiping about how totally awesome our podcast was with absolutely no interruptions during recording yeah. uh, is that that sort of morning where maybe you are jet lagged or maybe you do wake up two hours before you're meant to or, yep. or whatever. What, what is that? What is your self-talk like before all of these sets and before you get in the car to go to the gym? Yeah. So probably like anyone else, you know, your brain starts trying to talk you out of your typical routine when you're normally at normal levels of motivation and stuff like that. And I guess one thing I just tell myself is, you know, there's not many people or no one out there that's going to do what you're about to do. So you need to get out there and do that to have the advantage over, I guess, um, whatever it is you need your advantage in fitness, music, whatever. So I just keep telling myself that you need to do all the things that no one else wants to do um, to, I guess, I mean, that you, to succeed in, in whatever you want to do, you've got to work, you know, stupidly hard and, and I guess do the things no one else wants to do. So that's kind of what I did try and tell myself to get my ass out of the bed and hit the freezing cold hail, rain, whatever it is, and go run and whatever the hell it, you know, it is you do in the morning. So. That's, that's pretty much my pet talk. And it normally works, doesn't always work, but um, it normally does work for me. So. Some hard love for yourself in the morning. Yeah, 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 pretty much. That and the coffee. <laughs> so, Dan, where, where can we find you on, on social media to stalk you and ask you questions about how much you love Metallica? Yep. So if you need advice on triggers, just hit me up on Dan underscore underscore Fresland on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook too. Just search Dan Crowley. Dan, we're going to do a workout together when you're up here and let's we're going it. to film it. <laughs> Dude, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. The next thing you guys hear from, from this conversation is that I've died and Dan's standing over my body. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. I can't wait to chat soon, which will be in like five seconds, but let's pretend like we're about to hang up a phone call. Perfect. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Dan Presland of Neobliviscaris fame and or notoriety. I would like to thank everyone for sticking around this long and I would like to thank everyone for enjoying what the Major Lift has had to offer so far. This is still pretty much the pilot season and I'm still getting a hang of how all of this works and I would love to get some feedback from you guys about what you want to hear more of and get right into those particulars. I really want to know what you guys want to know because I mean... I know what I want to know. That's why I'm asking the questions. So if you do have any additional requests or you feel as if something is lacking from the podcast, please let me know. I would just, I would love to taper this towards people who have the same interests as me and, you know, learn about the communication skills necessary to talk to these people, these people, about what they need to and want to share. I think this is something we can all benefit from. And I think this is something that kind of goes unspoken. There's no there's no real book for a guide to touring for modern musicians, unless, wait, hold on a second. A guide to touring for modern musicians. I'm just Googling it. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, okay, so there's just a bunch of stuff online, uh, a bunch of articles, but there's no, you know, there's no certified 
uh, Cert 4 in touring the world. I just want to get some real industry experience from people and hopefully you guys do too and maybe you're gearing up for your first tour or maybe you've done it a million times or maybe you're just curious to know what happens on tour and if it truly stays on tour. Uh, and in this case, probably not. That's why we're talking about it. I'll see you next time. Hopefully you're just going to skip over onto the next podcast and you're going to get something out of that too. If not, then okay. <laughs> Have a good one, guys.